Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Good morning. Everybody doing okay? Ready to prof today? <laughs> we were talking about hashtags and the pastor leaned over to me and said, did you ever think we'd see a day like this? And I said, no, some of the old timers, if one of them in particular that we knew, a little old lady, if she were here, she'd look up and she'd say, kid, in my day, that smoke would have been the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been too. <laughs> but I believe we're going to get back to that. I believe the hour is coming when we'll see smoke in the auditoriums and nobody would have remembered to hit the button back there. I've been in some of those services. I'm looking forward to seeing some more of those services. Amen. Glory to God. Well, my time is short this morning. Look at that. Heather took up so much time. and just <laughs> do what you can. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning on a subject, Can a Christian Be Cursed? And we will look at Numbers chapter 22, beginning with the first verse. And I, this subject means a lot to me because when I am hitting the clicker, you know, the remote control, and I happen across the Christian TV stations, and we're getting more and more of them, and there's always a preacher somewhere on there that is trying to sell somebody something that's going to lift a curse. And there are ministries around the world, but mainly in the United States, you know, because Americans tend to follow a novelty more than people in other nations. And, you know, they'll, some preachers, their, their novelty lasts longer than others. But, but one of them is this deal about curses. And they have whole services dedicated to breaking curses off of people. And I was in a meeting one time, and this lady, and she's a friend of mine, bless her heart, I love her. But she got all caught up in the moment and was praying for this girl. And she laid hands on her, and she says, I break this curse 2,000 generations back. And I was sitting back there, and I thought, 2,000 generations back? I thought, a, th a generation is 40 years times 2,000. My dear God, that's way home back there before Adam was even thought about in the mind of God, you know. And so, but it, it's stupid stuff that Christians get into. And what it does is it distorts people's view of God. It distorts the the view of what the gospel was all about. It distorts what Christ did. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it, it gives people a, a, a bad uh, image in their minds and in their hearts about who we really are in Christ and what he really did for us. Amen. And so I want to look at something today because you hear people talk about, oh, this curse of this and this curse of that, you know, and they, you know, send us, you know, $50. And this same preacher the other day, I heard him right before Pentecost, and he said, you know, Pentecost is first fruits. He said, so, you know, you can't even have the Holy Ghost unless you give a first fruits offering. And then he went into his first fruits offering, and I thought, this guy is telling people that they cannot have the Holy Spirit unless they send him a first fruits offering. Now, I'm sorry, that's, that's a little far out there for me, you know. I want to stay with the Word. Amen. Because you can't go wrong staying with the Word. And so I, I was looking at the subject of curses in, in the Bible, and I have for quite some time, but there's one man 
that stands out above all others throughout the entire Bible as the greatest cursor in the Bible. And if you want to find out what a curse is and how it works and how it's done, then you go to the expert. You understand what I'm talking about? And so this guy, his name was Balaam. Balaam, actually, but that it's hard to say that with the Texas twang. And so Balaam is fine. And so Balaam, he starts off here in Numbers 22, and then he's mentioned over and over and over through the rest of the Bible all the way into the book of Revelation. This guy was so good at what he did. And I know this is a prophetic conference and everything, and people say, oh, the false prophet Balaam. Well, now, wait a minute. The Bible never called him a false prophet. He was rebellious in some areas. But he had this relationship with God which was outside of Israel's covenant. God talked to him. I mean, his own donkey talked to him. God let his donkey talk to him. I wish my dog would talk to me because he, he, he did something yesterday and everybody's always asking me, how's Regal, how's Regal? Because they see his picture on Facebook. I came home yesterday and he had torn the skirting off a of part of the front of the couch. And he's never done that before. And so I talked to his best buddy, his vet, and I said, would neutering him stop? He said, no, 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 don't do that. And he said, besides, if you did that, all those women on Facebook would be all over your case. And I said, yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, so Regal and I had a come to Jesus meeting yesterday, and he came to Jesus, and, and now i got to repent and go to Jesus for... <laughs> But I want him to talk to me. But Balaam's donkey even talked to him. God opened the mouth of Balaam's donkey. And it talked to him. And, and angels protected Balaam to try to keep him from doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. So this was not a false prophet. He was just a different prophet. He was not in the covenant of Israel. Which blows the theory of some of these people that say that the United States, God's going to judge the United States just like he judged Israel. No, he's not. The United States does not have a covenant with God like Israel had a covenant with God. And say, so the, the laws of God are universal, they're for everybody. No, they're not. Didn't work for Balaam. In fact, if you read, the, that's a different subject, but when you read there in the Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus, when he talks about the laws, he tells Moses, Speak unto the children, the sons of Israel, when they go into the land, do this. So those laws were for the sons of Israel when they went into the land, not for the United States of America. Hallelujah. And that just makes some people mad, but it's the truth anyway. We want to be balanced, right? Because if we just follow these traditions and, and everything like people do, then we'll end up with the same thing that other generations ended up with and mediocrity and never really seeing the power of God like we need to, because God won't operate and manifest himself outside of his word. And the more of his word, the more of his truth that we get and that we implement, the more of his power we'll see released in the church. And I want his power, don't you? Amen. Numbers chapter 22, verse 1. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, I guess his mother's name was Velcro. I'm, 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 I'm in Eric Holler's church. I get to, I get to tell bad jokes. 
Balak, the son of Zippor, if I hadn't said it, he'd have stood up and said it. You know he would have. Saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread. He, in other words, he was scared half to death because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, he got more people involved in this. He said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor. Glad we're in McKinney. Which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people. To call him saying, look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me. For they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. Balaam's reputation went before him. If you went to him and you said, I need a blessing and he blessed you, there was something about the relationship that this guy had. And it was a relationship with God. Don't misunderstand this. There was something about this guy. If he blessed you, you got blessed. And the blessing manifested. But if he cursed you, you got cursed. And the curse manifested. And so I hear people talk about curse this and the curse of that and all this. And I thought, well, you know, that sounds great in religious circles, you know, and you know, charismatic services. But what is a curse according to the Word of God? And beginning right here with a professional cursor. The only definition I can find for a curse in all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is this. A curse is a supernatural empowerment to fail. Or a supernatural empowerment to be defeated. To lose. You can have a curse in your health, a curse in your finances, a curse in your marriage, or whatever it may be. It's going to fail if there is a curse there. It is a supernatural empowerment to fail. And so this king of the Moabites, Balak, he, he's, he's in dread. He, he's, he can't sleep. He's wringing his hands. He can't eat because there's about three million people or so that have come out of Egypt and everywhere they walk, God gives it to them. Every people they come across, they are defeated by this horde of people that have come out, out of Egypt from across the Red Sea. And he's afraid that when they get to, to Moab that they're going to conquer them and destroy everything and everybody and take everything that they've got and according to their reputation they will and so in desperation he gets because here's Israel out here and they're marching this way and so he gets all these other kings that are around him together because they're coming their way too he said we got to do something and so they hire this prophet Balaam and one place there, read Numbers 22, 23, and 24, those three chapters, very interesting chapters, that they're offering him a house full of silver and gold. They believe so strongly in this guy's ability to deliver a curse. And so they 
sin for him. And they, they, he comes there with his entourage of people. And they say, here's these, these folks. And God had already started talking to Balaam about this. He said, don't you try to curse those people. I bless those people. And Balaam tells them up front, I don't know that I can do it. But, you know, because they're blessed people. And they said, try. We'll pay you. We'll pay you double, triple, whatever it takes. And so Balaam, he says, all right, set me up seven altars. And we're going to put seven bulls and seven rams. That's really interesting. Seven, seven, seven. Then you get the Catholics all stirred up in here. Sorry, Heather. But seven altars, seven rams, seven bulls, and they slaughter them. And he goes into his mumbo jumbo, whatever he's doing, you know. And I don't know, I've got American Indian in me. He just does this thing. And you know, he's, I can't do it. And he's looking at them. And all he sees is a blessing. Look at these people. Three million of them. And all they have, they're not born again. They're not washed in the blood of Jesus. They don't have the use of the name of Jesus. They're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. They don't have authority given to them by the word of Jesus himself. All they've got is a promise made to their great, 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 great grandpa Abraham. And two tablets of stone. That God has written commandments on with his finger. That's all they've got. A promise and ten commandments. And Balaam says, I can't curse them. They're blessed. And Balak says, well, maybe it's the geography. So let's, let's find a different location. Maybe if you're looking at them from a different angle... You'll be able to do it. Balaam said, well, we can try. And so they went to another place a little higher up. He's looking at them from this angle now. All right, set me up. Seven altars, seven bulls, seven rams. Slaughter them. Goes through his rigmarole. And he says, I can't do it. Look at them. They're not born again. They're not washed in the blood. They're... They don't have the name of Jesus. They don't have the authority of that name. They, they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. All they have is a promise and two stone tablets. But they're so blessed, I cannot curse them. I'm the greatest curser in the history of the planet Earth, Balaam was, according to the Bible. I cannot curse them. And Balak said, listen, we've got to do something or they're going to take us. I mean, something's got to happen so that they fail. They've got to be empowered to fail or we're going to fail. Let's try another location. So they move to another location. And he says, set me up seven altars, slaughter seven bulls, slaughter seven rams. I mean, cattle and livestock hate Balaam. (laughs) If you ever try to name your cow Balaam, it might just drop dead out of rebellion. And he goes through the rigmarole again. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever the drums are beating, you know, tambourines are, are beating. I mean, all this stuff going on. And he tries, he pulls every last thing out of him. I've got to get the biggest curse out I can. He's, I can't do it. And Balak says, You got to do something. And Balaam says to him these words. I love these words. Look over here. 23rd chapter. We'll start with the 19th verse. 
Because God has told Balaam that these people are blessed. Listen to what he says, 23:19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He ha- has he said, and will he not do? For he has spoken, and he and will he not make it good? Boy, if you're wondering if the promise of God's going to work for you, this is your verse this morning. Here's your prophetic word this morning. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. Hallelujah. He says, Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Wow. Has he observed iniquity in Jacob? Oh boy, he would have if he looked close enough, wouldn't he? But the grace of God, the grace of God, the Lamb had covered it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord is God. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is amongst them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. Now listen to this. There is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. Now must he must be said of Jacob and of Israel, Oh, what God has done. Listen, you don't have to be afraid of any witch any sorcerer, any wizard, any necromancer, any diviner, any such thing as that. You are spiritual Israel. There is no sorcery against Israel, no enchantment, no divination that can come against you. It's a little restaurant I go to all the time. A friend of mine owns it. There's a lady comes in there with, I guess it's her husband. This guy looks like something out of the X-Men movies. I don't know. Big guy with these mutton chops. Cyber, ugly Lord. She took him to a horse show and they put flowers around his neck. (laughs) Ugly. And this woman is a witch. And she has, she's Hispanic and they call her a curandera. She is a witch. And people go to her and they get potions and all this kind of stuff. And she'll come in that restaurant and she'll try to sell the waitresses love trinkets and Stuff to keep curses off of them and all of this. And the owner, my dear friend, is a Muslim man from Jordan. And he gets mad when they come in. She makes me mad selling this stuff. I said, give me permission. And she'll never sell another trinket in here again. He said, do what you want to do. In the name of Jesus Christ. I bind principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and wicked spirits in high places. I break the power of this witch over this place. She hadn't sold a trinket there again yet. And if I walk in and she's sitting there, she's finished. A plate could be half empty, you know. She's done. she got to get up, get her stuff, and go. One day there was a whole line of people waiting to pay. She just cut, 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 reached up there and just threw her money down on the counter and went out the door because... Jesus came in with me. Hallelujah. There is no sorcery against Jacob. No divination against Israel. Don't let anybody fool you. There's no curse that can come on you. Hallelujah. Look at Israel out there. All they've got is a promise and two stone tablets. And this man says, I cannot curse them. 
And then you look at us. Born again. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Have the authority of the name of Jesus. Jesus' own word that said, Behold, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And you think the devil's going to put a curse on you? No way. No way. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians, I mean 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, when you were out there in the world living for the devil, a child of the devil, he had every right to put a curse on you. But those curses stopped at the cross. They stopped at the cross. And you have to realize that. And the reason why people, Christians, are still subjected to the manifestations and the results of curses in their lives is because they don't realize the truth that all of that junk stopped at the cross. I can show you. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14. Galatians 3 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? That the blessing of Abraham, that same blessing that those three million people had walking through that desert, heading toward Moab. And Balaam got out there and said, they've got that blessing. I can't curse them. It's that same blessing. We've got it because we've come to the cross. And all the curses stopped at the cross. And all the blessings flowed right on through to you and me. Hallelujah. I am too blessed to be cursed. Ha ha, hallelujah. I am too much of a winner to be a loser. I'm a victor, not a victim. Hallelujah. That is the good news of the gospel. That everything that was before can stop when you come to the cross. Everything that troubled you, your past, everything people had said over you. I don't care if your mother was a witch or, or your daddy was, was a mass serial killer, whatever he may be. It doesn't matter when you come to the cross. It stops. I was telling that same Muslim man this week about a dear couple, Francis and Sharon. Francis is the guy. And they, at least were, but they're on the road now ministering. But they were elders in Henry Hinn's church in Vancouver. And when you look at them, they were later middle-aged couple. Sweet, healthy, beautiful couple. Loved God. I love to preach at that church when they'd be sitting right here. Because the whole time you're preaching, they're weeping. And everybody's going, amen. And they're going, Jesus. Not out of sadness, but this deep, deep gratitude. You could feel it when you got close to them. Let me tell you about Francis. He was an alcoholic, Native American alcoholic. The church had a feeding program and they found him in an alley laying behind a dumpster. No money for alcohol, but in the dumpster he had found a half-empty bottle of pine saw. And so just in an attempt to get drunk, he was drinking the pine saw. His life was a wreck, skin and bones. He was dying. 
and he came to Christ. And in an instant, all of that junk stopped at the cross. And what he did was he picked up the blessing and began to grow and walk away now into the fullness and the maturity of Christ. And this man now is the picture of health and he travels all over the northern parts of Canada preaching the gospel in the Indian villages, seeing people saved and and witch doctors burn their trinkets and their books and their manuscripts and the power of God follows him. Now let me tell you about Sharon. Sharon was the daughter of Satanist. And from the time she had reached puberty, I know this is terrible, we don't have kids in here, I don't think, but they began to use her to breed her in rituals to produce children. She watched as they cut the hearts out of nine of her babies. Nine. As that child watched in horror. And God saved her and delivered her, and put her mind back together. And man, when they pray for you, you know you've been prayed for. And they travel together all over, and Satan absolutely flees from their presence because they found out there is no sorcery against Jacob nor any divination against Israel. You cannot be cursed if God has blessed you. Like Balaam said, God has blessed and I cannot curse. And when these charlatans get on television and try to sell you a trinket, hang this on your door, kiss your fingers and touch it every time you go in and out your door and all this stuff and you'll keep the curse off your house. That That's... Jesus help me. Paul would say in King James, it's dung. I can't say what I really want to call it. But are you listening to me? But people get so religious. Oh, Brother Plumman, you, you shouldn't talk about stuff like that. You shouldn't talk about these preachers like that. Yes, I can. Because they need to straighten it up. They need to stop doing this stuff. Because you want to talk about witchcraft? That is witchcraft. That I can give you some kind of a trinket that will keep a curse off of you or that will bring a blessing on you. Oh, if you buy my menorah, this one's, you know, this one is, you know, $50. It's just, you know, simple pewter, small menorah. You can light the candles and you'll experience the presence of God in your house. But if you really want the presence of God in your house, then you get this $350 job here. It's silver plated. And you light these candles and the glory of God fill it. I mean, we'll even send you some of that dry ice stuff like they use at One Calls Church to <laughs> drop in. You'll see the glo- glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, what Jesus did was enough because it was everything. You don't need anything else, just Jesus. Hallelujah. And if the most professional cursor in the history of the human race could not curse not even one of three million people that had a promise and two stone tablets, what is any witch or fortune teller or even the devil himself going to do to you that are washed in the blood, baptized with his spirit, given His authority, given His Word, walking in fellowship with Him. It is not going to happen. Praise God. We are too blessed 
to be cursed. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 